but is simulated, uh, you know, grief and pain that you inflict on someone else. Is it real? Is it as tasty as the real thing? (laughs) Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 137 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the lactose intolerancer. I'm Sam, and I'm a pixel sniper. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is February 122018, exclamation mark. Before we start, we have a warning. <laughs> Anything can happen on this show. Uh, there's going to be profanity and very confusing date formats. Yes. So if you get uncomfortable or confused about any of those things. Also, was that on, exclamation mark a factorial it's symbol? It's a factorial. Okay. For, factorio. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a real big, it's real, a real big date today. Real big simulation game. Uh, all right, what's in the news this week? For starters, this is a prime number episode. Congratulations, we made it to another one. Excellent. Yep. Great job, team. This will happen again, probably. Um, all right, so we got two, <laughs> we got two important things that we need to talk about, uh, and I don't really know about either of them, and these these topics were brought to me by my, co- my co-hosts, mm-hmm. Adam and Sam. <laughs> <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> what you got? Uh, first, Tom Brady. Let's talk about- Let's talk about it real quick. Let's talk about the Brady- Mm-hmm. situation so love him hate him i don't actually give a crap personally i also don't watch sports ever but Me neither uh a friend of mine recommended watching the uh there's a documentary called tom versus time that's actually facebook made which i don't understand <laughs> uh it's six episodes and each one's like 15 minutes and it's a really interesting dive into it's it is, it is about tom brady but i think really on a on a higher level it's just about essentially what is the cost of expertise and acquiring expertise and what that looks like for, in this case, uh, this guy who now is 40 years old and is, you know, out quarterbacking most people who are considerably younger. He was, he's outbacking them. He is outbacking them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a fullback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so uh, I just, I, I wanted to recommend people look at it because I think, you know, we've talked about, we talk about getting expertise uh, on the show quite a bit and, and about how we all have our own pursuits when it comes to how much time we dedicate to, you know, trying to work on our craft or whatever else. And in watching this, you just realize that he says this one line at the beginning where he basically just says, if you want to beat me, you have to give up your life because that's what I've done. And I'm like, yeah. All right, yeah Except you right. can't because you're always going to be behind. Yeah. yeah. You have to give up your <laughs> life and then wait for him to die. Apparently. Yeah, except that there's that thing where he did lose. He did lose. Yeah. <laughs> no, he did lose. Well, I think it's, yeah, that's, that's totally correct. So there's, there's one episode left. There is, there is a degree of randomness. Up. Yeah. There's always know. randomness, but uh, it, it's just a really interesting dive. And again, I know some people have very strong feelings about this. What, who cares? But the whole point is just looking at looking at someone who has actually just like really tried super hard to completely orient their life around this particular pursuit. And then what that means for him, what it means for his family and all this other stuff. And uh, it reminds me, there's this, there's a book we mentioned in the podcast called Peak, as well as one called Mastery, which both are about acquiring expertise and the cost of it. And the bigger point, with both in Brady's case and in, in those books is that to have one expert in your group of people requires that everybody essentially signs on to allow that person to be an expert. Right. Yep. Yeah. Because they still have to, you know, like eat food or, you know, take care of their kids or pay bills or whatever else. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that if other people aren't society, willing to doesn't, in, society doesn't just let you do one thing. Correct. And so if you want to do that, then you actually have to have a group of people who kind of supports you in that. So I'd, I'd recommend checking it out really quick episodes. Um, and just very interesting. There, this reminds me of there, there's this, um, this batsman from India, Sachin, uh, Tendulkar. Mm-hmm. And he was known as sort of the greatest 
cricket batsman in the fucking universe. Mm-hmm. I think that was his official yeah. <laughs> title in his business card. Kind of a long title, but really um, good one though. And there's this great documentary about this guy and how sort of he he sort of he started playing when he was I think 16 professionally, and it was right around in the early 90s when India was starting to come onto the world mm-hmm. stage, and so. So he sort of like carried the weight of the nation on his shoulders, like representing India internationally and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And, and, uh, the whole country just, just is in love with this guy. Um, and they showed sort of what his routine was when he was growing up. And it was that exact same thing mm-hmm. where basically his, his, he would go out and he'd be playing cricket all fucking day. And he would just sort of make pit stops back at his house where his family would quickly like throw food at his face, you know, and they like give him whatever he needed. And then he would just kind of zoom back out the back door and go back and play again. Um, and that was all he did just all day, every day, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't do that if he had, you know, if, if other people weren't there to support him and stuff. So, you know, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. So, and then Adam, weirdly, you wanted to talk about the cost of organization. Mm -hmm. I did. Well, so this, this weekend, there's, there's been a big problem in my house, which is that we moved to St. Louis a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. we're closing on two years now. Uh, I had a desktop PC, you know, when I before I moved. I just never put it back together. I don't have a I don't have a desk in my new house mm-hmm. um, or a top or a top. <laughs> so it's just half nude all day. So, yeah. so I have uh, we we I, I've just been working at our at our kitchen counter, our mm-hmm. kitchen table. I mean, or no, sorry, dining room table. All these rooms, so confusing. So I've just been working houses, at, man. What do you know, right? So I've just been working at our living room table. For the past year and a half when I go home, which, you know, it's the wrong height. It's kind of a bummer. It's always then just shit all over the, uh, the, the dining room. So then when people come over and I have to move my desk, you know, so it's, yep. Nothing about it is good. And it's been kind of a bummer going home and getting ready to sit down to work and then just being uncomfortable. You got to do work before you can work to clear things out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just, it's just no good. And it's not my space and so on. So this has been true for a year and a half, but then finally I decided this weekend, I was like, it's time to not be doing this anymore. So so that, was, was, that there was the a, plan. Was there a, some kind of an event? Did you no, have a, I was just, I just got tired enough, you know, okay. it was just time now. And so, uh, so put a, so we got, put a plan together. I was going to need to get a desk, found a place to put it, measured out some stuff. I got, a, got a desk ordered, did all the things. I was like, all right, now time to get my PC put together. Mm. It's been in storage and parts for a year and a half mm-hmm. that I remembered. Oh yeah. I got rid of my, my actual tower and I just have the parts because I didn't like my tower. And I was like, I'm moving. This is a good time to. Okay. Get a new one eventually. <laughs> so you, you know? just got a, you just got parts. So I just have parts. So I was like, all right, cool. That means I need to go buy a tower. And it turns mm-hmm. out Jenny, my wife, also has a tower that she doesn't want because it's a fucking enormous. It's one of those crazy gaming rigs that's like eight I, feet yeah. tall. I got one of those. It's got wheels. <laughs> it's got wheels on the bottom because it's so big you can't. You got to wheel it around like a shopping cart. That's uh, <laughs> that's extreme. Mm-hmm. So so hers does not have wheels, which is a bummer because it's fucking heavy. It needs so wheels. It needs probably. wheels. But it doesn't fit under her desk because it's at least six inches taller than the bottom of her desk. So she <laughs> hasn't been using her desktop either. And so we're like, oh, this is stupid. Let's just go fix this. So we go to Micro Center. We get a couple towers. They're fucking spectacular. It's beautiful. Got like a window on the side, you know, but it's not, it's not like the gamer style where Gorgeous it's all glowing. Wheels. Just four-wheel drive. <laughs> no, no wheel drive, unfortunately. But the idea was like, it's sleeker, you know, it's sleeker and smaller, mm-hmm. you know? So we get these things, we get we get them home, we start putting them together. Yeah. And nothing fits. No. This was oh. like it was it was this weird, it was this weird moment because this case was beautifully designed. It was like I kept on saying as I was doing stuff with it, I was like, it seems like they knew everything that makes putting a computer together a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And they tried to design around it. Mm-hmm. But here's the weird thing. It took me three hours 
to build my computer. When normally when I'm building a, a PC, it's like 20 minutes, right? Right. But everything felt like it was easier. So I was trying to figure out, I was like, what, what the hell was going on here? And it was actually because the way that they designed it was to sort of showcase kind of the innards because it's got this little panel on it, right? Mm. And so it's all about organizing. It's all about putting things, like tucking them away neatly, you know? And, oh, uh, you mean you like you get your cables? Yes, yeah, so you get your cables. Like you're like looping them around stuff, and oh. and you and like when you're putting in the power supply, you don't just like jam it in there and screw it in. There's like this little thing that you kind of take out, and you put you put your power supply on that, and then you slide that whole you thing gently, in, you know? sort of. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> everything's just kind of gently finagled, mm. and and basically this kind of resulted in two things. One is it wasn't obvious how to do anything because there's like some yeah. stuff you're gonna have to move around and get it all to, to work properly. But as soon as you got it, it was like, oh, this this is beautifully designed, you know, once you figured it so out. So it was almost like a fun puzzle. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it. I had a good time, but like it burned my, I'm like, my plan was for the day. I was like, I'm going to build this computer, get it ready to go. So when my desk comes, I can build that, be done with that. I'm going to go down to the basement, clean all that up. Mm-hmm. I was like, had this huge plan in mind. And then like 8 PM rolled around and we'd built these two computers over the past four or five hours. <laughs> like I got to go it. to bed. <laughs> yeah. It was, bedtime, you know? it, was, it was crazy, but it was, it was because the, they had spent so much of the design efforts around uh, carefully controlling everything and making it just perfect, you know, so you just very controlled environment that the cost of actually doing it was enormous. And it looks great now that it's done, you know, but, but shit, cause I, you know, the way that you normally put a computer together is you open up the panel, throw the motherboard in, fucking pile all the guts in, mm-hmm. right? And then you're just like, cool, I'm yeah. done. And that's the end of the story because I mean, it's just all tucked away and hidden. The chaos mm-hmm. is managed. and Yeah, that's the joy, the joy of having a tower that's the size of a walk-in freezer. Yeah, you just throw everything in there. You just, you grab your motherboard like a Frisbee yep. and you just kind of, just fucking launch it in there. And it just mm-hmm. sticks wherever. Wherever it goes, that's where it is now. It was an interesting design problem though because because they put a window on that thing. Yeah. Now you have now to care to about pretty. the aesthetics of the inside yeah. of a computer that is under your desk. Well, yeah. no, 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 you don't. So mine, mine has a window. Mm-hmm. And here's what you do: you get parts that have LEDs on, it. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So it okay. just glows, so that when you look into it, it's blinding. But then you got that problem, which is if you're if that happens to be in a room where you want to take a nap or sleep, yep, Too then it has right. that blue light situation. How does happen? Only you? if it's on. I mean, you could you could put that bad boy to sleep. You're good to know. go. Yeah. Sometimes they're very bright. They persist through death. Of the that computer. is true. You know what I mean? Some of them are crazy bright. That is true. I did. I did own a, an upright uh, fan that you you know like a standing fan in mm-hmm. a room, and uh, you could put it into sleep mode where it was like a very low, you know, calming kind white of noise. white noise thing. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, the sleep mode had this fucking blinding LED on it that just yep. and it would always shine in exactly the direction the fan was pointing. And so, if you, so if you want the fan to gently put a breeze on you while you're sleeping, you also have to be awake yeah, and blind. Right. So, yeah, you know, design, it's hard. It is hard. But also, you know, long story short, organization has a very high cost. Well, it does. In, in this case, it's actually, you, you suddenly were contending with an element of building a computer that you actually have not, you added an element. Yeah. It wasn't just putting a computer together. Yeah. It was doing so beautifully. Yeah. In a particular way. Which luckily someone else laid out a plan. Because imagine if you're like, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to make this look really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot myself. of effort went into designing that thing. Yeah. Definitely. Maybe this is more of a parable of the cost of perfection. I think so. Too, yeah. I don't know. Because I, I mean, I think about this like with my with my email inbox, right? Though I spend zero time managing it because it's just chaos. I don't, I don't, I don't have to. I just archive things and then search for them, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's useful chaos. It's, it's not no, chaos. It's, it's the, chaos that doesn't have an impact. It's not useful yeah. chaos. It's chaos that doesn't matter, right? Which is right. the same as the inside of a computer, actually, because mm-hmm. it doesn't if matter it's if opaque. there's chaos in there. And so recognizing 
when chaos is actually just fine versus when it needs to be wrangled and organized mm-hmm. is important because it fe- it always feels like you should organize the thing, you know, because really you bad. should just hide it. Yeah, you should just hide it. You just remind me of, so I can. went and did my taxes last week and I've been using the pile method for my file storage system now for the last year because I read algorithms to live by and they said it's much faster to search than it is to sort. Yes. So- I read that and I was like, sweet. That means I'm not actually filing anything. So I just have a pile. I just have a pile <laughs> of papers in my closet from the last year. So I went through and I was like, all right, cool. I got to get all my tax stuff put together. Just went through the pile, literally three minutes, got everything I needed. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So so basically anytime something came to you and you're like, this seems like a finance oriented document. I mean, there's going finance in the stuff in there. There's health stuff in there. It's all just in this pile. Right. And then I just go dig through it and find the stuff and I'll move on. Yep. Because you only need to search it once a year. Exactly. I've spent no time maintaining it. <laughs> it's literally a pile. It's yep. incredible. Now, here's a question. Once you're done with your taxes, can you just toss the, the remainder? You got to keep those for seven years. Well, so here's oh, what yeah, and the rest do. of the things? stuff that you didn't need for your yeah. taxes. But, but his that, health that stuff in is in there, too. Yeah, there's just other stuff. There's other important stuff in yeah. there. But here's the mm. other rule from searching, which is that things that are on the top of the pile, things that you've used most recently are also the things you're most likely to use again. Yeah. So right. So once you've so sorted now, them out, they all they end the up back on the top. Yes. Yeah, so now all those, all those finance documents are on the top. I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Yeah, so what you can you do know, is then just like every seven years, just throw away the bottom third of the pile. <laughs> Roughly. Then, yeah, then you're probably <laughs> fine. Good. Actually, yeah. no, every seven years, throw away the bottom seventh of the pile. There you go. Assuming that you're aggregating yep. documents at a constant rate. Which I, mean, I hope so. Seems to have been my life experience. I guess it has accelerated a bit. It's accelerated. You would think it would go down since the internet, but uh, nah. no. No, they just enabled people to send you more requests to print things. Yes. And then sign them and then scan them and, and then fax, fax them, them back, back. Yeah. for some reason. If you do this, just fuck, just fuck you. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, studio news. What happened last week? We sent out the very first ever Scotch Ballyhoo. Yeah. So a few people, I think it should be, it's going out to a lot of people. I think it's Manny. They were like 65,000 as of this morning mm-hmm. that it was sent to. It's probably about half done. It's about half done. We so, did send it to an individual named Manny. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. That's it. Probably. I mean, just statistically speaking. Um, this, so there there will be, if you haven't gotten it by the time the podcast, it should be coming in the next couple of days. Uh, it's random. They'll probably all be out by the podcast, I bet. I think so. Yeah, so we included all kinds of beefy, delicious goodies in there, mm-hmm. including our new uh, Crashlands comic. Yeah. Which, if you haven't gotten the newsletter by the time this podcast comes out, or if you just unsubscribed, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, you can still get the uh, comic, which is at bscotch.itch.io. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been getting a good response. Yeah, it's been really good. And, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a full... I think it's a 30-page thing so far. So there's the teaser in there, and then there's the, the first chapter. Uh, we have two more chapters that are getting put together. So we'll be putting those out with the next issues of the Ballyhoo as well. Um, but yeah, it seems like the response so far has been really good. People seem to, to dig it. Yeah, we seems showed nice. a little first look of Levelhead. We mm-hmm. showed a couple of the buddies from Scuffle Buddies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just dripping with tasty flavor. Yeah. And we also introduced uh, our abs Yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, we have a new we have a new program called Abs, mm-hmm. which is sort of the the sister program to Rumpus. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. the, it's like the core strength of our studio. Yeah. So know? Abs is our anti bug squad, mm-hmm. which we we thought you know whenever we need to test stuff, it would be nice if we just had a pool of people who we could pull from regularly instead of having to make a new beta every time. Mm-hmm. Right. And we so we're so we're developing a, a system which is called the Abs. Which is a, a curated group of people who have a wide diversity of gaming backgrounds and devices available to them, and all this stuff. 
Um, and so whenever we do a beta, then we'll, we'll ping people from this group, bring them in, have them test some stuff. And the reason that we needed to open this up is because uh, Levelhead is now six weeks done with development. Yep. And it's reaching a sort of mechanical completion point. And up next is we have a, a few uh, sort of UX user experience things to tweak and then web features. And then we're ready for, for testing. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, we're, we're not coming up. We're not very far away. So we thought we should give people plenty of time to get signed up into the abs mm-hmm. uh, so that when it's time to test, then we just have that ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I think our testing plan is we're going to do it in two phases with the first test and this is this is how we did it with crashlands which worked really well mm-hmm. which is the first test was a very small group of like 10 to 20 people where the goal there was to just find the most egregious problems yes. both in terms of yep. me- mechanics gameplay balance so as well as people bugs. who were the most forgiving mm-hmm. yeah who would then when when everything they worked so hard for just disappeared yeah and also knowing that that most of the things that they produced or the, their save file or whatever would just be completely obliterated mm-hmm. yeah right because, because there's no backwards compatibility it's just just madness yeah and so so that's that's how we're going to do the level head testing where we're going to have a small group as our first wave of bug crushers mm-hmm. um, then we'll open it up for a much bigger beta so we can that'll also allow us to kind of uh, stress test some of our systems in a very small way. Yeah, it won't actually be stressful for any anything except for us. Well, it, it's, it's mostly <laughs> going to be stressful from a, a, a user experience perspective yep. of like if we're showing if we have if we have a couple hundred people in a beta and they're all building levels and we're showing now mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of levels instead does, of just a couple yeah. dozen. How does that work? How does that is that is that going to actually work? Mm-hmm. Because you can assume that if, you know, if you get a thousand levels into your system and if that's still manageable and easy to sort through and stuff, then it's probably scalable enough that you're good. So, um, yep. So that's, uh, that's how that's going. And then if, if you want to get into the abs, then we have a bit.ly, which is bit.ly slash powerful bscotch abs. <laughs> and there's hyphens between those words. So it's powerful dash bscotch dash abs. Mm-hmm. Get in there. Get in there. Get crunching. Mm-hmm. Get- <laughs> It's time to crunch. Oh, we will, shit. Our, <laughs> our abs will be crunching probably That's true. within we, a few weeks. We actually so. do crunch during betas. Yeah. We want everything to be good for people. So yep. You this, got it. This yeah. is getting more perfect. You got to crunch those abs. Also, someone noticed. So uh, the Rumpus logo was also sent out in the Scotch Ballyhoo. And someone noticed, and my wife noticed this too. She goes, now it's called Rumpus, the R. Kind of, kind of, kind of looks butt. like a man who is like doing a like bending his legs back and showing his ass for the rest <laughs> of the word. <laughs> and That's I looked right. at it and I was like, "Oh God, like it's true." That's right, totally fine by me. Yep. There we are. Yep, totally, so, totally on purpose. We're, we're probably going to have everything about just everything we're doing completely on purpose. <laughs> yeah, fully designed. And also, be, uh, so we, you know, we have rumpus. Uh, <laughs> we have a rumpus beta that needs to happen for the the website as well. Yes. So we're probably going to have a rumpus abs. You know, mm-hmm. at some point. That'll be before the Bo- game abs. Before the game abs yeah, happens. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a lot of crunching, a lot of abs, a lot of rumpus mm-hmm. yep. in the next uh, in the next three, four weeks. You know, probably. I like how these things just kind of work out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So before we get on to some questions from our listeners, let's quickly hit some industry news. What you got? All right, so we got two things. One, Loot Box Watch 2018. It's happening. Uh-huh. Uh, for those of you who are regular listeners of our podcast, you will know that loot boxes are a thing we like to talk about because we think that this is a 
This is gray rhino mm -hmm. that's about to trample the shit out of uh, the, industry as, the industry as a whole. And no one's moving to get out of the way. Nobody's moving to get out of the way. Basically, the, the problem is that uh, there's a lot of money to be made if you basically turn your game into a casino. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, there's a lot also of also maybe questionable legality if you yeah. turn your game into a and so a lot of and developers. If it isn't questionable, it's going to become questionable, yes. right? And a lot of developers basically say, "Well, the thing is, it's very expensive to make games, so we have to basically build our own personal Las Vegas mm -hmm. to to bankroll yep. this shit." Even though we decided the budget to make the game in the first uh -huh. place, right? Yep. Because uh, <laughs> because when, as we know, when a game makes more money than the company who makes the game staffs up and makes the next game more expensive, mm -hmm. yep. And, and, they, and then they have to buy up all the ad right. space, which then makes ads more expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And then everybody else has to compete for those same ads, which mm -hmm. means they have to spend more money, right? But the problem is, since anybody can turn their game into a casino, yep. then everybody can make a fuckload of money. So it turns time. out Germany was like, this looks a little Germany suspicious. didn't like this. Yeah. So they're, they're opening up a commission uh, to determine whether loot boxes are predatory towards children and whether it's legally counts as gambling. Interesting. But like, why is it only towards children? You know, this is the thing that, that boggles my mind so hard is that... Adam, we know adults are fully in control of their behavior. <laughs> How many adults do you, every, every adult I know is super well put together. They're very, they're, <laughs> they're very resistant very to gambling mechanics. Very thoughtful. Yeah. 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 I guess, yeah. You only see children that are addicted to gambling. They really, you know, I would. Well, now that I think about really. Yeah. Yeah. Cigarettes, Cigarettes, casino. alcohol. Yep. There's a bunch of these toddlers just smoking, yep. just rolling the slots. It's a, yeah, it's a good thing we're protecting our, our youth from all these horrible things yep. that, that all adults are just immune yeah. from. Yeah. Now, I have to say, though, uh, I, I do believe that most things should probably be unregulated in general. Yeah, yeah, you're real, For, real libertarian. Not really, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is the I'm libertarian a, stance. I think, right? Uh, just, I think the libertarian stance is just just anarchy. Okay. Just yeah, burn true, everything yeah, yeah. down, yeah. and and you get you get a gun. I think, mm -hmm. but the state doesn't give you one. Because no, you gotta you no, you got to build it yourself. <laughs> yeah, you got to build right. your own forge. Uh, you yeah. got to smell. You got to har harvest your mm -hmm. own. Iron from the mineral nodes mm -hmm. around your house, but the, and the house is something that you probably killed somebody else to get because the government couldn't have given you that. Yeah, actually, property. I think being a libertarian is probably a lot like PUBG. Oh yeah, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> you just get thrown into the wilderness, mostly naked, and then it's like a crafting game. And then once you've yeah. murdered ninety nine people, then you are now the king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of uh, of nothing until so, <laughs> until somebody murders you though, because it's because libertarian. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, PUBG. Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's transition over to this because sure. I think uh, this is an interesting tidbit of news. Which is, so so we're making Level Head into a social game in mm -hmm. the sense not in, not in like the Zynga sense, but it's going to be blowing up your Facebook in, the, <laughs> in the sense yep. that the core of the game revolves around sharing levels with other people in the game. And you're going to, you're going to earn points with the more Facebook lights yeah. that you get. Yeah. And we've always been hesitant to do anything with multiplayer um, because of cheating. Because everybody fucking ruins everything. Yeah, so, well, the best example of this is we put we put basic leaderboards in. I think it was Red Rampage. They all have them. They all have, they all have them. Okay. Yeah. Um, all of our old games. And within, I think, a day, someone had hacked it to say they had, were first place because they had the largest integer possible to be represented in code. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, so you have like one person with sixty five thousand juice collected, and then mm -hmm. the next person has like ninety. So pretty yep. dumb. Um, which we also know that in 
which I don't know if we've ever told anybody, but in Roid Rage, it is, it is generally impossible to get more than a certain amount of juice because the asteroid field gets progressively more dense it does. as yep. you acquire more juice. And mm-hmm. I don't remember if I put a cap on that. <laughs> I don't <Probably> <laughs> At some point, certain, you think, will die. I think at a certain point, you just you you're just, just, die. You're just mm-hmm. dead. But there are all those power ups that you can blow up asteroids right. and stuff, you know. So maybe, I, yeah, I don't remember what the density is there. Yeah. We're just saying the whole the whole point of this is that PUBG banned what a million players, a mil- over a million players in just January. Okay, so this is a pretty pay, good. This is a paid game. Like you yeah. buy this game for what 40, 40, bucks. 40 bucks or something. Yeah. Although they did not say that all the people they banned were paying users instead of pirates. Because presumably pirates are getting in there. But they just yep. you can't keep them out. You know? Yeah, presumably. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I assume maybe they maybe they have the resources to do that. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, if you think about either way, it's a lot of they banned yeah. forty million dollars worth of sales of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in just January, they were banning over thirty three thousand players per day. And this actually, this is is it's crazy. Kind of makes me yeah. think of we had talked about back about uh, Jeffrey Lynn's GDC talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, League of Legends toxic community behavior because they at the time were, you know, the most popular online game. Now it's PUBG. Um, Mm -hmm. And they had that problem of it's a five versus five game. And if one out of 10 people is a dick Mm -hmm. and somehow does something to ruin the game for other people, then most of the time your your 5v5 matches are going to be ruined by somebody being a dick, Mm -hmm. right? And so... PUBG is a 100-person free-for-all. Yeah. Which means... You get one cheater in there. Yeah, if you get one person who's hacking, using an aim bot, or doing something to be able to teleport around the map mm-hmm. or whatever, then then that whole match is ruined. Yeah. for 100 people. For a nine, yeah. Or 99 people. Well, if one person's having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> so now it's more like, um, you know, with how many users they have, you know, it's more like probably a good 10% of their players are cheating at least. Uh, and so it's crazy. Yeah. So in, in any given match, it's almost guaranteed statistically that somebody's going to be cheating. I still think they did it the wrong way because what they should have done was every time they identified somebody as a cheater, put them on a different server with only cheaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been beautiful. Yeah. Don't ban them. Yeah. You just, just give them, them a they, taste they of can, their own medicine. They can yeah. never again play with normal people. Yeah. just never. <laughs> <laughs> They can only play with other because like they then get, you just get to understand what it feels like. Well, you, then you, you otherwise to, all you feel is the power, yeah. you know? Yeah, but also then you get to then you get to watch the arms race. I know, which would be spectacular. You know, cuz you yeah. get to see cuz now you're only playing against <laughs> other cheaters, yeah. so now you have to develop something even something even better. Yeah. Mm. It'd be amazing. It'd be cool. Yeah, and then you, you just, could just, then you could just <laughs> you could then just put up like a Twitch channel that all it does is just spectate pure hacker matches, which would be really interesting. Pretty magical. Yeah. yeah. Now, and this makes me think, what if you made a game where the, the point of it was to cheat? Mm. And then you wouldn't, it's like having a weed garden. Like, <laughs> it's a way to shortcut uh-huh. the normal problems, right? So if you have a, and I'm not talking about weed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what we're talking if about. If you have a garden, <laughs> if you have a garden that's only weeds, mm-hmm. then you never have to pull the weeds, right? Weed weeds is just a plant you don't want there. Right, and right. if you want all the plants, then right. you You're never like, then you, grow, you've now shortcutted yeah. all of the the landscaping you would have mm-hmm. to do. So you also do have a really ugly patch of ground, though, right? Well, yeah, but that depends on your standards. You, you, know, know, you just got to lower your bar. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a game that's an online multiplayer game, but you make it really, really easy to cheat, 
Like real fucking easy. You just to type cheat. in console commands. Yeah. Everybody could just type in console commands. Yeah. Yeah. Then you then you make it so that cheaters don't have an advantage anymore. Because mm. everybody's because everybody's a cheater. Right. Right. And so now you don't have to ban anybody. You don't have to monitor anything. Mm-hmm. This is basically Eve Online, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> just take away all the rules. And don't, Actually, don't enforce when it comes anything. To cheating, it is all about because it's like you know God mode style stuff. It's about mm-hmm. shooting through walls and. But if you just introduce those all as mechanics into a game, just take all the things that cheaters do and just have them be mechanics. Then no you, walls. Everybody's invincible. Yeah. Auto aim. Auto aim. Yeah, that's it might not sell very well. No. no <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It seems like there's a market of at least a million players who are looking for something like that, <sighs> according to PUBG's ban list. Yes. Yeah. Actually, if we just gave them that with then a whole bunch of AI players who then weren't who weren't in God mode, right? So it wasn't multiplayer, it was just fake multiplayer. So that you come in, you uh, play so as you, basically a God. You play as the <clears throat> cheat. You play as the cheat, right? Everybody else is just a bunch of peons that you're just massacring. Mm. But they all, but, but importantly, <laughs> but this is the important part, is because your goal as a hacker is to ruin everybody else's day. It's not actually to win. Right, so right? the other, the other so the pretend AIs, players need to they say- They have to complain, yeah. they have to be real sad, you know? They have to, they have to be yelling at you constantly mm-hmm. because like it's feeding your trollness, you know? Mm, I like Yeah, it. they're going to, yeah, the other good. players will, will, the other, the robot players will say things like, I spent the last of my paycheck on buying this game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yep. This is my one hour of free time because I have a hundred children. Yeah. <laughs> the troll simulator 2018. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe we can get all of the, the trolls and the hackers just to go play that and get the experience that they want anyway. Mm. And they can just leave the rest of us alone. But is simulated, uh, you know, grief and pain that you inflict on someone else. Is as, it real? Is it as tasty as the real thing? <laughs> I don't yeah, think that's so. a problem. You know? I don't know. I, maybe you could play some goat MMO simulator and yeah, see if I'll that, see if that tickles your fancy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Let's get on to some questions from our players. These questions, I guess not all of them are players, but there are podcast Close listeners. Enough. Uh, maybe, these, I mean, these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question onto a future episode, get over there, put together there. All right. First question comes from Woland 77. A lot of people have been saying that video games are too expensive to make. And much of the blame for this is pointed at hyper-realistic graphics. Do you think graphical fidelity is necessarily a bad thing in games? Or is this uh, just a bunch of loud noise? Well, I think it's absurd to basically say... <laughs> We can have a lot of graphics if we spend a lot of money. A lot of graphics. A I like lot the- of graphics. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we so have, we have like eight we graphics. have done this. Yeah, yeah. We we only have it as a studio. We have something like a, a cumulative of like twenty graphics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like but max, right. Yeah, but Call if of you Duty go, has like ninety eight graphics. Oh yeah. shit, way more than that. Yeah, yeah. but but it's, it costs like a million dollars per graphic. Per graphic, right? that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is actually why we only have like point five graphics. No, yeah, like well, it up. I mean, it's it's an exponential graph. Yeah, okay. Every additional graphic costs more than actually. It's true because it's an incremental gain. Yeah, but at an exponential cost. So so now so now I'm Call of Duty, right? And I'm like, hmm, I want real fucking good graphics. I have to buy. A thousand graphics. A thousand right? more graphics. So I do that. And then I turn around and I say, <laughs> I had no choice to, but but to, <laughs> but to spend all this money on all these graphics. There's so many graphics in this game. Yeah. So now so, I have to, so this was too much money. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about that. Right. And now I have to put loot boxes in the game. Yeah. And the problem with those loot boxes is you have to put graphics on them. That's true. You know, yeah. you have to buy at least another two <laughs> graphics. Horrible. You know, it I takes at least two graphics but it's for the, a loot box. the absurdity of just like turning the blame around and saying, we couldn't help it. You know, like you made us like this. You somehow made us what is this, do an this. abusive relationship. Yeah, well, no, I think 
This is gonna sound. This is gonna sound crazy. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna ready. say it. I have spoken with a large number of of people who play video games. Okay, how many would you say? Who have literally <laughs> said to me the phrase, "I only play games with really good graphics." Mm-hmm. Right, meaning they will only buy stuff that's like that that is the cutting edge graphics. Sure, and they don't really. Take, put that much stock in the gameplay or the quality of the experience. It's all about, like, when I shoot something, do I see debris, you know, simulated? Can I see a neuron? Do I, yeah. Shoot out of a head. Yeah. <laughs> do I have a scope on my sniper rifle that a is microscope. also an electron microscope where I can <laughs> see, you know, down to the quantum level? Right. Because um, that's what the game is about for a lot of people, actually. Well, I think, well, this so, thing is actually there's, there's a, a, particular type of game that you play where graphical fidelity is really important. So look at like Mortal Kombat, for example. The fact that you can punch someone and then see their their spleen rupture and their ribs get blown out inside right. their body. Because that's part of the game. It's part of the experience uh-huh. of like punching someone but I would, in the chest. I would but. argue that that isn't super important because Mortal Kombat was a very popular, well-received game, you know, 30 years ago. Or Before whatever. it was X-rayed. But it also had, but they also had ridiculous graphics at that time as far as these like I mean, they did. But but I mean <laughs> it was very high fidelity. It but, was. But it let's was. just let's At just say time. though that that your argument is true, which is that players are are demanding this. I mean, people gave it to them though. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, whose fault is it still? Yeah, I don't know. Because capitalism, if- bro. <laughs> capitalism. If there's a demand for something, there will be a supply. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other truth though is that it is it is true that making making things with higher graphics or general generally higher fidelity does cost more money. Yeah, it costs way more time, more money. We we experienced this firsthand with uh, the bacon weed fairy. We were making that for Crashlands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we really we put use, we put an extra graphic on that. Yeah, one. yeah. and we use Spine, and yeah. so Spine for those of you who aren't familiar, it's a two D animation engine. It essentially, lets you put bones into a two D creature of some sort, and then just wiggle the bones around, and the body follows the bones. Which this is how three D animation works. Mm-hmm. Same way, and so uh, I think I ended up spending like three days animating this bacon weed fairy, which. Prior to this, the maximum amount of time I'd spent animating something was maybe like four hours, maybe. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it turned out really cool looking, but then it, I mean, for other reasons, we ended up not being able to use that actual animation in the game. And the thing is, people still talk about the Bacon Weed Fairy. They still enjoy the fact that this insane creature exists. It's not as smooth of an animation as it was in Spine, but the whole point is that like doing that extra bit, even just on the animation side with 2D graphics was trem- a tremendous blowout in terms of our overall time cost. Yeah. So it, it is definitely true that like the, the more graphical fidelity you have, the more work there is to do. Yes. The, the, yeah, the, the more number of graphics yes. there are. Yeah. So, I, but here's, here's the thing. It's not a bad thing. No, it's also not a good thing. Just I'm just going to take the libertarian stance here and just <laughs> say people want graphics and they'll pay for those graphics. No, it's just and true. Companies have the graphics to sell to people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're going to put those, they're going to take that graphics from the warehouse. They're going to yeah. put those graphics in their game. People buy it. That's just that's just how the market is. Everyone's happy, yeah. more or less. But I think it would be an error to say that your graphics are correlated with the quality of gameplay. Yeah, yeah. They are. And Those I are also think aspects of entertainment. It's correlated with cost, but isn't the it isn't the thing that determines cost? Correct. Because you know com- the companies making video games are just they're just companies. Mm-hmm. You know, most of their costs are going to their CEOs. That's just that's how true. that's just how that works. And the, the rest CEOs, is going to advertising. And the CEOs aren't putting any graphics in there. I know. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah. <laughs> what is that about? It's pretty wacky. We need to put these CEOs to work, have them put at least three or four graphics mm-hmm. in that game. Yep. My God. All right. Next question comes from Menelous. Hello. Hey. So I hope you guys are doing well. Yeah. 
Me, mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate that. So I listened to Audible's version of Anti-Fragile, and holy mm-hmm. cow, was that some tough jerky to digest, <laughs> which is a good thing. Any other books similar to that that I should listen to? Thanks again. Mm-hmm. Similar to that. Yeah, and I, and I will say just for anybody who now decides to go listen to that or read that book, just remember, you just got to get past the author's self-absorption and obsession. Right. If you just look past it, you got to get all the whiz nugs out of there because mm-hmm. there, there are many. So it's all kinds of good content in that book, but you just got to just know that you're going to be really tired of that, that author. Well, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> you, you, should, you should be able to develop an ability to, to not necessarily have to enjoy the person you're listening to while getting the information from them. Yeah. Right? And not, and not assuming skill. that, that the message is invalid because you don't like the person. Because right. sometimes people who are assholes have some very valid points, mm-hmm. which yep. is this case. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he takes. I mean, he takes every opportunity that he can to like snipe a little bit mm-hmm. at people, and and it is very true biting. that I agree with basically everything that he says. But he doesn't have to say it that way. Exactly. Right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, what are the other books? Actually, yeah, I've actually to... read. He has he has a whole bunch of other books. Um, that, that's the most recent one. It kind of is the culmination of all of them. So I don't think you need to read the other ones really. Um. But I think that that's done. So between that and then like thinking fast and slow, the power of habit, the power of habit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, mistakes were made, but not by me, which is still mm-hmm. for me, like one of my pinnacle sort of mind changing books. Also, thanks for the feedback. That's a pretty good one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think algorithms if you take to live by algorithms to live by. Yeah. If you take those, that collection yeah. right there and really read and just really read the shit out of it. Just those. read it real good. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. You'll be, you'll just read be a different it, person. Read the words, read between the lines, yeah. read the punctuations, do yep. the exercises. Also, sometimes people tell me they read. I have to ask them like, what do you mean when you say you read? Because some people, when they, they say move that, their eyes, over they're pages. like, yeah, I rub my eyes on the page. It's like what happened. You know, yep. I look, I glanced at it because I think if you're, especially these books, if you're not reading, if you're not engaging at the same time, then you're going to miss like 90% of the value. So have like a notebook next to you, you know, take some notes or put it in the margins. Really read it. Read it. Read Which it. reading, really reading something usually means that you're actually writing also. Yeah. And then every now and then you notes. stand up and you go, hmm. You go, oh, and then you, shit. And you pace a bit. You pace mm-hmm. and you smoke a pipe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you pour yourself some whiskey. You just kind of shake, you can make the, make the <laughs> ice cubes tinkle in there a little and bit. You, then once again, you say, hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then you sit back down, you kind of, you sort of, angrily scratch your chin a little bit as you're doing things and you know, like kind of rub your beard really hard. You know, it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot that happens in mm-hmm. close, careful reading. Yeah. yeah. And assuming old, you have all of those things, well, but <laughs> if you don't, a beard, right, you just, you just, <laughs> a pipe. you just tape a beard to your face <laughs> for deep reading. It's just a, it's just a part of that process. It's part of the process. Yeah. It's part of it. <laughs> you build a construction paper beard for yourself. Yeah. And a pipe out of cardboard. Yep, because you shouldn't smoke, obviously. Which you should not, yeah. And especially don't mm-hmm. smoke out of a cardboard pipe because you probably just will be die. Fire. Yeah. You'll probably die. Yeah, you I shouldn't think. drink either, probably, you know, so sure. just, but like apple juice looks a lot like whiskey. So but definitely read. Definitely that, read that's though. the message. <laughs> <laughs> if, if there was any message at all. Just but read out. good, yeah. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right, next question comes from, <laughs> comes from King Oz. I was thinking of starting my own podcast at my school. Me and a buddy would discuss school news, answer <laughs> questions, and discuss the current haps o de earth. <laughs> I liked it. What de earth? earth. Is, that a, is that a perfume? Yeah. It no, it's like- haps in all caps. Uh-huh. O with an apostrophe. Ah. Duh, D-A. Not O earth. as in E-U, like the yeah, French. So I was thinking, yeah. I earth. I was a French smell. Haps. Like the- 
the ground after rain. It's half you know? to earth, but mm. earth is lowercase to kind of bring its ego down. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Put it in its place. What, <laughs> below your feet. It <laughs> what do you think? And how should I start? Thanks. P.S. Sam's voice is sexy. Ooh, hey. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, no, I, calm, calm it down, Well, Sam. I think it depends. Does anybody want to listen to that? That's the first question you got to ask yourself. And the second question is, do you care if anybody wants to listen to yep. it? Because if the answer is the Actually, first that's one. that's the first question. That's the first one, yeah. Yeah. Is do you care if somebody else listens? Okay. Mm-hmm. People will listen. Okay. People will listen to this. Okay. Not in a huge, not in a huge broad sense, but if you're making a podcast uh, about the things going on in your school, you, I mean, your, your classmates will fuck, they'll listen to the shit out of this. But here's the problem. Will they? Who will? Well, here's Some the problem. Might. Because now you have a audio record of what will probably be the most embarrassing part of your life. <laughs> Not only that, but probably some some trash talk. Listen, we're, we're talking. High school's a bad time for most people. Yeah. No, you, the thing about making a, a high school podcast is you have to keep everything positive as yeah. fuck. You cannot, you cannot throw anyone under the bus. Yep. You cannot trash talk people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not even teachers. Homework not, assignment. And, and, not, and don't even think you're going to be clever and use pseudonyms. Because here's the thing. Most high schools are run <laughs> like dictatorships. This is yeah. the case where we grew up yep. where they're like, hey, we heard that you wrote a note to someone about blah. And even though maybe you maybe you wrote it in your own personal cryptographic code mm-hmm. and you used mm-hmm. fake names. They will bring you in and they will break you. They will break you. In order to crack the code. <laughs> So, so I would say you can have fun doing it, but I would be, be very careful. Be careful. Um, just be careful. Mm-hmm. Or do it like in a veil of secrecy. That'd be fun. You know? Oh, yeah. You should modulate all of your voices. Ooh, yeah. So that- use, a, use a pseudonym. Yep. Don't even make it talk about the it's a different school. But Pick then, school but then, you, but then you lose your audience. Because here's the thing. Why do, <laughs> people give, why do people give a shit about the yearbook? Because they're names. in it. Yeah, because they're, they're in it, right? Also, you have that page in the back where you can like drop pictures and sign it for other people. You get your autograph book, you know? Yeah, it's super. Important. But really, you just exactly. want them to write a note for you. Yeah, you want to say, right. "Hey, and you want to know? Yeah, you want to see that all your favorite people were like liked you enough to write a yeah. nice people like thing. the yearbook because it's about them, and yeah. they like they like having people sign their yearbook because that's that other people get to talk about them. Yeah. This is the reason people like Twitter. And Facebook and everything. Yearbook right? was basically the Facebook before Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if yearbooks still exist because the idea of taking pictures of people and putting it into a book seems very archaic now. Mm-hmm. Actually, now but tradition, about it. though. So probably they still tradition. exist. Uh, so the thing to think about with this podcast is like, you can mix in haps to earth, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. but people in your school are mostly going to be excited about haps to school. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, mostly them. haps to themselves. Haps yeah. themselves, right? <laughs> so you, it's a great smell. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so you have to walk that line of, of throwing people that bone, you know? Yeah. So of, you, you got to throw people onto the bus, not under it. Yeah. Right. You got to get people on, the, on like, that I saw bus. Stanley yesterday in the hall. Sweet shirt, Stanley. Looking good, Looking Stan. Good. <laughs> My man. My man. (laughs) So-and-so got elevated to first trombone. Dope. Dope. Dope as fuck trombone. Great work. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's how that works. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I guess that could work. I don't know. Yeah, I just, after... All of our wrangling with administrators and schools. I just, yeah. I don't and stick bear my in neck mind out. that yeah, I don't when, trust those people as far as I can throw. Uh-uh. And bear in mind, if you take questions from people, people will ask questions where they try to throw other students under the bus. Yeah, and yep. by answering those questions, you are now culpable yep, yep. as a murderer. Mm-hmm. Basically. Because throwing people under buses is a crime, kills them. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. 
So maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Be honest. Maybe pick something not school related. Yeah. If you did, yeah. If you did do a podcast, do it. Do it for fun to to sort of cultivate your audio skills. Mm-hmm. You know, work yep. on your quality of production. Keep as far away from the school as possible in mm-hmm. terms of topics mm-hmm. of conversation. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, maybe then you don't have to be so careful about it. Yeah. So yeah, try that. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from I am Cade. What event in any game has made the biggest impact, be it storytelling, finishing a game or beating your best friend and rubbing it in their face? Mm, biggest impact on, I think my... just on the earth, sort of on the society. <laughs> like an asteroid situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that Pokemon Go, just in a general sense, I don't know if we all saw these videos, but where people were chasing a Blastoise in Central Park, there's like a herd of humans, okay, with their phones out, and someone saw Blastoise pop up like in a nearby, <laughs> and this this mob of people hunting a Blastoise, which doesn't exist physically, <laughs> goes running across the park to go. I, I assume not looking at each other, just looking they're at their probably phones. Probably looking at their phones. It was and then sprinting. they all get there, and then because they're all in the same yeah. network, and they're all like moving their phones around uh-huh. trying to find a good signal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I think everything about that was very poetic about the just the current nature. It's of almost humanity. it's almost an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, where it's like <laughs> it really one is. inch away. Everybody's chasing imaginary yeah. animals. Well, but I, mean, I will say it was like as far as you know the last couple of years ago. That was actually a big thing because so my the, wife and for I those two did. weeks. Yeah, my wife and I the first two days went out. Yep. And the thing is, we saw we saw two other some other guy on the other side of the street with his phone. Oh out. yeah, yeah, we saw that too. You know? pretty, and you like cool. you make eye contact, and then you're like. You catch him. Okay, let me ask. Let me ask you this, because people it was always beautiful. people always it. talk about like you know, video games have this thing, this untapped potential to sort of change the human condition. Mm-hmm. Do they though? Because <laughs> because <laughs> I think for starters, you opt into them, right? Sure. So like by by playing a game, you're choosing that you want to have that experience to begin with, which means you're not necessarily likely to opt into something that's going to take you really far outside your comfort zone. Right. right. But then even events like Pokemon Go, where it was this weird cultural phenomenon, because it's tied to a, a product that also, you know, needs to be updated and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Uh, it has a shelf life. Right. Right. So it, it, like you said, it lasted for a few weeks. And at the very beginning, people were talking about how this is just this changes everything. You know, you see you you'd go down the street and all of a sudden people are out on walks. Mm-hmm. People who would never leave their house for any reason other than to go to the grocery store and work. Catch Pokemon now. All of a sudden, they're walking down the street catching Pokemon. Mm-hmm. People are walking their dogs more. People are going to the park. People are going to parks they never even knew were there, mm-hmm. right? And then after a couple of weeks, you know, you, you caught all the Blastoises. Right. So why the fuck are you going to go to that park? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's the reality is that uh, it's not necessarily that people are resistant to change. I think it's just change is not a particularly sticky thing. Right and yeah, generally with it, yeah, it wasn't good. a change. It was just a thing that happened. It was, thing that it was happened. an event. Yeah, yeah, and I think and I think that's the way to think about it because you know the reality is for for most people most of the time even if you have on these big events like land in your lap it'll change it'll change things dramatically for a very brief window of time and then the inertia wears off like the momentum wears off from that thing. It's a regression so, to the mean. Yeah, we've talked about this after game jams, right? Yeah, there's a there's a post jam high that lasts somewhere between like two and four days, uh, but you have to like hold you have to hold on to it as long as you can and then it's it's gonna go away. At some point. Yeah, you got to set up that IV bag of five-hour energies. Yeah, but it is triggered by the jam itself. And I think actually after the jam weekend, we had another jam day, I think two days later, because everyone was just like on it. So, you know, I think the reality is most things aren't that sticky. But, and also when it comes to other sort of gaming events that I thought were really interesting, uh, the Twitch plays 
but Pokemon won again. But that whole thing was so weird and cool to see. Like, yeah, just it just it out. just happened. Yeah. So I think the thing for me that's that's been really interesting is watching not individual games that have a single player aspect, but just sort of the the weirdness that comes from having that online social aspect to games and what that can how that sort of branches out into the real world in a very in a much more meaningful way than like killing stuff in Dark Souls, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I've been kind of interested in, which is where level heads coming in. I think we're going to have some fun with that, see what happens. Yeah, it's easily the next Pokemon Go. Easily, you guys. Yeah. I mean, people are going to be out in parks. Just uh, building people are going to be out in parks building levels, yeah. downloading them and playing them, mm-hmm. completely unrelated to the fact that they're at the park. But Yeah, but it's somehow gonna it's going to encourage There's that. a thing mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, it's going to be... So what it's going to be is we're going to actually create geocached levels where you can, yeah, yeah. when you build Ooh. the level, you build Ooh, the level. Kind of fun. You put it somewhere. Yeah. So you, yeah, if you, you're in a park, you can publish it into the park. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to put a level here. I kind of like this. <laughs> that is cool. You, you Adam, put a level in the park. Well, here's the thing. Then we're going to start getting sued by people. Cause then someone's going to be like, mm, there's a level out in the middle of this lake and they're going to go drowned. Cause like, parents are going to sue us. Level. Yeah. Except. <laughs> People who have drowned can't sue you. Boom, checkmate. <laughs> Except their family can. Not if the whole family drowns. <laughs> this is a big bust situation. <laughs> yeah. We got to make sure the game is so good that entire, that entire family, family is drive into the lake. And that's how we're going to make the world a better place through <laughs> video games. I think that's the... Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Just to bring it back. Yeah. You know, full circle. You know... What? If you're driving a van full of children and also playing a video game... That's that's a bad that's a bad decision it that is. you have made right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't do that, folks. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Senolier. Submitted anonymously first. Oops. Any input for solo game devs trying to learn everything? I'm already a programmer. How do I balance doing that with learning enough art so that my games stop being hideous? Mm, good word. Uh, yeah. How do you do? Good choice of hideous. How do you do the do? I think. We always think about our games as tools, so you just pick the next thing. So level heads are like, we want to learn how to do this web stuff. So how can we do that in the most fast and effective way, given what we already know? So then we just do that, do that, and then the development of this game has a much higher focus for the three, the three of us, and for sure on how to actually get the web stuff going. So instead of thinking like, oh, I need to learn all of these things to make what ends up being, you know, sort of a culmination game, break it down and say, okay, for my next game, I'm going to make a really good, a good-looking game. And that necessarily means the mechanics are shorter. Or Keep like it mechanically. Yeah. Don't don't put all the emphasis on a complicated game to program. Push it push it in one domain at once. Yeah. But what also, was, but was the saying? You if you chase, chase two rabbits, catch none. Yes. Yeah. Don't chase two rabbits. Like a Catholic nun or so. Yeah. If you, you chase two rabbits, you're going to end up becoming just, a nun. You dive into the bush, and there's just a nun. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's yeah. unlikely that any person's going to catch a rabbit. You know, just sort of. Just yeah. athletically, mm-hmm. yeah. But or but if none. it's a, you're definitely less likely to. But catch. this is a lesson about scoping, right? Because it's yeah. not a, not only to avoid chasing two rabbits, but just have a rabbit trap, yeah, and just trap baby rabbits. That's what programming they're not going is. anywhere. That's a programming. Or get a sweet but, bow and arrow, just stand there. No, just an arrow. <laughs> they gotta move. You gotta move. Because anyway. arrows run real fast. Arrows, they do. <laughs> they get those little tiny legs. It's freaky. Yeah. yeah. Right. But if you but remember that that you can make it a, an award winning game that's beautiful with just rectangles, mm-hmm. you know Thomas was alone. Mm-hmm. Great, great game, beautiful, well done. It's just fucking rectangles. That's true. Actually, yeah, maybe for your first game, for your first game that you want to make that isn't hideous, uh, just have good colors and rectangles. This yeah, is the thing. So do people, some studying of color theory and just make mm-hmm. it fucking beautiful with shapes and colors. Yeah. yeah. So when people think about art, they're often like, okay, so my game's hideous right now. It needs to just look better. 
The problem is when you talk about art or drawing or whatever, there's a bajillion different aspects of that thing. And probably the most impactful one to start with is, is color. Yeah. So make a game that has a really good color scheme. And shapes. That's, and shapes, maybe, but it's just shapes. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. mess around with like trying to render but a face to, on and, it. But try to, because if, if you can imbue personality into something mm-hmm. that, Looks good because the colors are nice, and like the and the proportions of sizes of things are nice. And right? things are squishy. But and if things are all around. squishy and bouncing, they, and they kind of convey something. Um, if you can do that without even having a face on a thing, yeah, then you've now made it to the to that next level. Because then after that, now you can start adding faces to things, yeah. right? But if all, but like if you look at our art and including for the for level head, it's still we're still following the same kind of paradigm of just trying to make the minimum amount of uh, complexity of art assets mm-hmm. possible. And then do all the rest. Through we graphics. only want one graphics. We only want one graphics. Yep. One graphics. Because that, that's how we keep the price the, of our games. So that's low. the cheapest. That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you put in one graphics, then that's the cheapest cost per graphics that you're mm-hmm. going to get. Yep. You know, so it just ramps up from there. Yep. Um, yeah. So I would do that. And then the other thing that I would recommend when it comes to learning art, and Sam, you could probably speak to this, sure. is don't assume that you know anything. Yeah. Well, it's actually the truth for anything you're doing. Yeah. But for some reason, people feel like because they can see that they know what things look yeah. like. Well, yeah. here's the fact. The fact matter is, is which is not true. Yeah. And if you, if you try to draw something, even just make a facsimile, like make a direct copy of it, just by looking at it, you will recognize that you actually don't even know how to see. Yeah. If you're a person who has not trained your eye to draw, you don't even know you're not looking at things. And this is like, it's freaky, but it's a fact that you know, you can kind of test yourself by trying to draw something that exists in front of you. Yeah, and you're going to, so instead of drawing that thing, if it's, a, it's a human face, you'll draw like your caricature in your mind of what a nose looks like. Correct. Instead of that the person's nose. nose. Right. Yeah. So yeah, wacky. it's really weird actually to think about. Um, but yeah, if you, if you haven't actually done a lot of drawing before in particular or any art, make sure you look at references and look at tutorials and stuff for how to do it. That's the easiest way to do it. Tutorials and references. Just mm-hmm. like you would do when you go to, when you're programming, you got to go to the documentation. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what do functions do? Because you think you know how a nose looks. You don't. You, you think don't. you Trust know me. what arguments this function takes, but you're also you wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question comes from My Secret Weapon DLC. I have a tendency to defend it as a necessary evil. The cost to develop keeps climbing, but the cost to purchase has been the same forever. Mm-hmm. Many people view it as content that should have been there from the start. What are your thoughts? Sometimes that's true. DLC is just a thing. Just, just a like thing. graphics. Yep. Um, it's fine. So, yeah. well, there's, there's this point about the cost of purchases being the same, but the cost of development keeps climbing. However. The total market has grown like a bajillion. The market percent. has grown dramatically, so you can, and you can distribute digitally, mm-hmm. right? So it used to be the case that if you sold your game for 60 bucks at best, on a shelf of Best Buy, as a developer, you'd get like $4 mm-hmm. because there's 39 middle middle companies mm-hmm. that you have to go through to get it onto the shelf, right. right? So developers are, yeah, selling the game to the end user for the same amount, but developers are taking home a lot more money than they used yeah. to per copy. So there's that. Um, like Sam said, the market's enormous now. Mm-hmm. So, and you can sell infinite copies without having to print a single CD. Right. Like a better way to think about it is there's a total value for a thing. And it just gets split up among everybody who plays it. Yeah. It's kind of an easier way to think about it. So, you know, that with the Wu-Tang Clan had that one album they, they published and like they put it, there's just one copy and it's in like a silver inlaid box and they sold it for $2 million. Oh, right? really? Yeah. It's like, yeah, they probably could have published it and made probably about $2 million, you know. But the That sounds just, like a lot of work though. Yeah. So they just, just gave, sell one of them. They just auctioned <laughs> it off to one person, right? 
And that's that. Instead of having to print CDs and it's like on tour, you can go listen to it. And can you lease it? it? Can you rent it for yep. a day? I don't know. For a hundred grand. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think a better way to think about it is that the, the, there's increased value in games because the market's so huge. So if you look at like Stardew Valley or something selling just however many crazy number of copies, like Terraria is an easy example, like 22 million copies or whatever. Um, yeah. The total value of that game then is just tremendous, right? And if you were only able to sell that to, you know, a much smaller group of people to recoup costs, you'd need the price to be higher. So mm-hmm. the reality is that increased price now, it doesn't, it doesn't actually follow. It doesn't make sense to say that you have to increase the price because the games cost more to make. Because there's, but there are those graphics. There are those graphics that do cost more. more (laughs) I I think you have to when you're when you're operating on enormous budgets, where Mm -hmm. where despite the fact that you can make way more money than you used to be able to, that you've increased your cost just to match. Yes, which is true of like of basically any AAA title is they've increased all of their costs across the board under the assumption that the amount of money they're going to make from that game from that product will match what it made the year before plus some projected increase, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you're a big AAA studio operating as a public facing company that has shareholders to answer to, right. you're behaving just like a normal company does, which is that you increase your cost to match your revenue. Right. You get more of those graphics makers. Yep. So you can make more money mm-hmm. off those graphics. And you, and you buy more ads. Yeah. Right. But so if you're a game like Grand Theft Auto 5. Right. Right. Which is, I don't even know how long it's been out now. They just keep working. Three or four years. They added three or four, four, years, four years. But it's still one of the best selling games every quarter. Yeah everywhere right so i don't know what that game is made by now but you know probably billions of i think dollars it made almost a billion in its opening weekend it made like oh, really? 850 crazy, million yeah. Yeah, so something. and without a doubt they spent a fuck ton of money on development of that yeah. game right but it was not a billion dollars yeah. it was only like half that it was half yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, it was probably half that. it was probably half that uh, but they've they've made well well over what their investment was in that thing but that's not true of all titles right, right? yeah and especially when you're constantly, constantly increasing your cost to match your your projected revenue, because mm-hmm. it's still every launch is a gamble. If you look at the EA launches, right? Um, unless you unless you have your your sacred series like uh, like the FIFA and that kind of stuff that's just like guaranteed to make more money every year, mm-hmm. um, no matter what you do. Um, but outside of that, everything's just kind of a crapshoot, right? But I think as far as DLC goes, I mean, I, there's not necessarily a right or wrong approach to it as far as whether it's free, whether it's paid, because I mean, it does it still takes a considerable amount of effort to make it, right? It yeah, basically, where's the incentive for the developer to make something that they're just going to give away? Well, I think people often get most hung up about day one DLC. Yeah. Where if you basically say, that like, I have always found a little weird. Yeah, if you're like, here's the game and here's the expansion pack for an extra 40 yeah. bucks or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's a framing issue because the reality is if they just waited like three months and then said, oh, here's an expansion that you can buy a fight, like everyone would be like, cool, this is great. Yeah. But yeah. because it seems like, again, it's the pairing of this idea that, that DLC has somehow held back content. Like it was going to go in there, but you pulled it back because you're great. Right. Is there something that the developers decided to add? Um, right. Then they had to spend investment time and development time on. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, they need to recoup the costs of doing yeah. that. And this is actually something we talk about internally because there's that there's a framing issue here with between like a player base and the developers of a game where say there's a feature that we do want to add, um, but we also need to launch the damn game. If it's a feature that so maybe, you know, changes the course of or changes the gameplay for people or whatever else, and we hold off on it for the question is always, do we need should we hold off? Can we hold off on putting this in until post launch so that we can get the damn game out, get it, see if it actually works, you know, cause you have no idea actually if the market gives a shit. Yeah. Cause right. if the market doesn't care, then why would you, why should you be throwing more mm-hmm. money at, but you also don't know if that DLC thing would have been, the would thing. have been the thing yeah. to help kind of, you know, kick it into gear. So there's always this really hard calculus to do as a dev on the other side. Um, 
which I think, you know, the day one DLC doesn't make any sense to me, but I think when it comes to yeah, DLC later, it's who cares? I mean, yeah, honestly, like though, I don't, I don't see day one DLC as being much different than, for example, like a, like a collector's version of a game where you get a mm-hmm. couple extra, but it's things. framing. It's all just frame. It's right? framing. Yeah. And, but I think, you know, this is just something that players have decided they want. Yeah. Right. Because if a studio says, Hey, we'll sell you this for 30 bucks. Like here's an extra, like three maps you can play on or something for an extra 30 bucks. Uh, and then, and then 3 million players go, fuck yeah. And they, and they buy it. Yeah. Then that's just the company providing content to those players that they want and are willing to pay for. Well, I think the reality is that, is that for everybody's situation, you actually have a different value for, for a game. Right. So like I might be willing to pay say 30 bucks to play Terraria, but it only costs me 10, which is great for me. Right. Some people might not be willing to pay even five bucks for it. So they wait until it's on sale. Some people might not be willing to pay $10 because it seems like it must be cheap, mm-hmm. but they would buy it for $20. Right. And so actually right. we see this. So we, we launched that comic with the newsletter, right? And it's free. So you can get on itch for free and we can see how many people have actually paid for it. And out of the like thousand downloads, I think like eight or nine people actually gave us any money for it. Yeah, I think five. Is it five? It's a, it's a very small. We made like 40, <laughs> we made, we've quote unquote made 40 bucks off yeah. of the comic, um, which has certainly cost more. To yeah, it's quote unquote it. because we had to you know spend money to have it made. Yeah. So, which was significantly more than four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's one of those interesting things, right? Where you look at the, the point I'm trying to get to there is that that comic has value for some people, right? Yeah. And they're willing to pay for it. And so what having something like a donation box in that particular case opens up is the ability for someone to say, Hey, this is worth this much for me. And I'm just going to opt in to pay you. And then when it comes to games, if there's a collector's edition and maybe I'm just really excited about that game, I'm happy to pay like an extra 20 bucks to get something cool, you know? And so you as a business then get to capture that particular person at a different pay grade, which is the whole idea with whales. Yeah, I think the, I think the difference is when it feels like you've segmented your audience into like, when it, when it feels like you've segmented the game into a part of the game and then like all the good stuff that you have yeah. to also spend another set of dollars on to right. get instead of it just because I think of like a Fallout New Vegas mm-hmm. had some sort of a like pre-order collector's thing, right? Where you could buy, like, you got to start with, like, a, get, shotgun. like a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, you start with a shotgun and binoculars, right? It's not game-changing. It helps you a little bit at the very beginning, but very not minimal because really. <laughs> you need some ammo and stuff, too. Right. And, like, and what a binocular, you know, doesn't really matter. <laughs> so, but, but it was just this kind of fun little thing that, right. you, that you could get um, that didn't feel like it split the player base into the, the haves and the have-nots, right? And I think that's one of the big problems with the DLC, especially for an expensive game yeah. um, with a lot of moving parts and a lot of really good, interesting content is that once you start to fragment it out like that, then it feels like it's, it feels to, as an, as a player that the audience is now fragmented and that somebody else who is another fan, like somebody who you've got com- camaraderie with because they're into that same thing that you're into mm-hmm. uh, might be on a different plane than you now, right now. Now they're just like yeah, in the real world, there, there are people around you who mm-hmm. are wealthier than you. Now you go in, in, in your imaginary space. And where it's you, still the case. And it's still true. You know, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I remember Wildstar had this where they, you could buy the collector's edition of the game and then you get this crazy looking set of gear that you can wear and this giant hoverboard that you could, mm. that you could fly around on. Mm-hmm. And, and you could tell the, the players who had the collector's edition early on in the game, even in the low, low level starting zones, when you're sitting there wearing like, you know, you're like Some hideous you're, you're fucking wearing a rag, you know, wrapped <laughs> right. around your neck or something as a as chest armor, and then somebody comes by with like these crazy glowing tubes mm. like flying past on their hoverboard. Yeah, I think I think when those things happen, when it segments the audience, I agree. I think that's. But it's also an interesting. That's an interesting weird. point about the difference between something like games and like a car as a product, right? Because the reality is, when you go to buy a car, you start with the base model, and then you can add 
you can add just like a considerable amount to get all the extra trimmings, right? And That's DLC. It is for DLC. your car. <laughs> Day one DLC for your car. Which I don't buy. Well, yeah, maybe you don't buy it, but the point is it's there. A lot of people do there. buy it. Yep. And you're not going to complain about the fact that Jerry got a SUV that has like I think people. I think people spend a lot of time Yeah, but that, cars are not a player versus player I mean, but I'm yeah, actually, actually they kind of are. I mean, we're talking I mean it new depends Vegas. on the features that you can get. But we're talking about yeah. New Vegas, like a single player game. Single player, so, who cares? Yeah, yeah. You it know? doesn't matter. Yeah. But this is the thing is like I there I there is some categorical difference between those two goods, right? Yeah. Because you get pissed off about one, the other one makes sense. Or you go to, like, Mc, well, you go to you go to McDonald's and like, oh, you want like a slightly you larger beverage? It? You go supersize yeah. it for 35 cents and you're like, oh, they go, no. you know, it costs us more to give you more. So if you pay more, we'll give you more. And you're like, sure. <laughs> and then a game developer doesn't well, like, but, but fuck I think, you. <laughs> but I think it's a lot of the discrepancies because there's a huge difference between what we're doing and what a, what a car manufacturer is doing, which is that we have effectively free infinite distribution. Yeah. So all of our costs are abstracted away from, from the end user because our costs have to do with having made the thing in the first place and having made the decision to make it at the cost of doing something else we could have done. So right. if we, if we make... If we make a game and we say, okay, we want to be able to add this additional content so we think it'd be really cool if players could also do X, Y, and Z, right? If we decide to do that, we're foregoing everything else, making everything else and that includes mm-hmm. making another game. And there's right. nothing we could do that's more powerful for the, for the studio, for the company uh, to, than, than making another game. So if we instead make a, basically a content expansion, mm-hmm. then we're doing that at our cost. Yeah. We're, deciding, we're deciding to spend, we're, we're spending money by doing that, and a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's all of our development time. Uh, and and potentially even more so because if we could have made and launched a game in that time, that would have been far more financially yep. rewarding to us as a company than making an expansion. So by us doing that, now we're stuck with the decision of do we do that? And if so, do we ask people to pay for it? Mm-hmm. Because to the end user, that's not any part of the calculus going. Because like when you go buy a car, I guarantee you that nobody's thinking of the development time to make the components of the car. No. They're, they're buying a physical, physical thing. Good. Yeah. yeah. And they don't assume like, you know... I got this 2010 Ford Focus, right? Now, when the 2012 model comes out- I should get a free upgrade. Then, yeah. <laughs> Can I not just have it? Well, but I was like, this, this is actually this is something that I, that I personally had to like recognize after a long time that I had to overcome in terms of how I looked even at physical goods when I was buying them. We're going to a restaurant and, and buying you know food that somebody has prepared is- the, the sort of idea always goes through my mind of, or take like an iPhone, right? Because you see people talking about this all the fucking time where they're like, if you tally up the, the cost of all the parts of an iPhone, it's only like $200, but they're selling it for a thousand. You know, capitalism yeah. is evil, whatever. It's, it's like as that if it thing. didn't take them three right. years because they, yeah, As if they there was just... no development cost. <laughs> and I'm not saying that it's fairly priced. Sure, at all. Yeah, I have no idea. But the, the point is that things are not the costs of their parts. And right. I think somehow we've all been trained to believe that. And so, in the, and we believe that in the physical world, but in the physical world, we buy a physical thing. It's like, we actually, we feel like we're overpaying, but we understand what has just happened. We've right. made a transaction. We got a good in return. Mm-hmm. There's only so many of those. There was a gatekeeper in the way we can't just pirate it. You know, like, mm-hmm. it all feels like it makes sense. But as soon as you go into the digital space, you're only paying development costs. Yeah. And in a little bit, you're paying for server costs if, you, if, it's, a, if it's a web-enabled game of some sort. But that, again, is abstracted away. Like, players don't think for a second when they go play a round of Rocket League. I wonder how much server... Cost how much this is causing psionics, yeah. yeah, to psionics, right? And of course, they have infinite money. I mean, so I fine because probably because I'm a developer, I think about that, which is why I used to buy every car that yeah, they exactly. And I, and I did like, the same thing. Right. I have to be costing them some some money, <laughs> right, you know? right. yeah. And and so I think that I think that's really also the, why I'm happy to pay for a subscription for something like Eve or World of Warcraft because right. I know 
Because you're paying for continued development of the They've game. They've got a fucking warehouse right. of servers running 24 <laughs> seven to make them still working on it. Yeah, yeah. You're, they're you're, patching it every day. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're basically paying human salaries is what you're doing. Yeah, um, but but I think that but that distinction where when it comes to to video games, you're not buying a good. That is just not what is happening. Mm-hmm. You are, and it's it's, it's even strictly not that because you're licensing. Right. intellectual property. You don't own any aspect of that. There's just no sense of ownership at all between you and that thing that you're, that you're experiencing, you know? Uh, and that the, the, the idea that it's the same as buying something in the physical world is just com- so completely wrong, but everybody believes it so strongly that I think this is where all the, the difficulty comes in with everything, with the relationship yeah. between players and developers and like whether we sell content or, or uh, put it out on subscription models or whatever, because to players, it's always going to feel unfair. That they just that they have, have to pay, pay for a yeah because something that technically doesn't exist exactly. in the sort of yeah. tangible sense right because because yeah. when the transaction is presented as you buying something then of course that feels unfair right because you're like this is free like I could it's just free have to it. put out I could just have it like why why should I have to pay sixty dollars and like and then the more you could I have just to pay the send worse it, it is. to me I could just down you could yeah. just download no problem right yeah I somebody could just, else could just send it to you right yeah uh, and so it's like I get that confusion but th- but this all comes from the fact that people still incorrectly see digital goods as basically metaphor metaphorical physical, physical goods, goods right. and they're just not well there's but, that but there, with blockchain technology but with blockchain <laughs> Which is true, right? That's that's actually what blockchain is trying to do is to bring digital yeah. into physical, well, but that's not going to with blockchain. Work. You could say, I, I mean, you don't even fucking need blockchain. You could just say, hey, we are going to sell twenty thousand copies of yeah. this yeah. collector's edition, right, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you don't need blockchain to do that. You just sell you can, 20, just, you can just do that. But then, what would that even mean? Because now you're now you're basically saying now you, the user, own like you own this thing, right? So you're actually selling. No, really, it just, just means, it just means you got in line at the right time yeah, to, exactly. get, a, to get access to a license. Yeah, so they're just yeah. they're just fundamentally different things. And I, and I think they, framing is the only thing that we can do. Because the fact is that the way that players and our consumers see buying a game is completely disconnected from the reality of the business of making games. Correct. There's just no relationship between those two things. And so the best that we can do as developers is just try to do stuff, try to make the best guess that given that our consumers are going to always think we're out to get them. Mm-hmm. And that they always think we're trying to get as much money out of them as possible. And that they think we're like actively, actively suppressing things to get the most money, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, We have to try to make decisions about how we're going to monetize things based on just not what the reality is of like what this business model is, but what our users are going to think that we're trying to do, which really sucks. Yep. Well, and and we have to make, you know, this is, this is a concern with um, Levelhead where, Piracy has never been that big of a concern for us because we've made single player games. Mm-hmm. And uh, if somebody pirates the game, we just think, well, that sucks, but okay. meh, you know, didn't cost us. Cause as long as enough, as long as enough people are honest and do buy the game, then, then we can keep making, we games. can keep, then we can keep going. Right. And so at a certain point that threshold doesn't really matter. Um, but I think it was just last week we ran through the numbers on Crashlands and we discovered that on, on Android, we have about a hundred pirates to every paying player mm-hmm. uh, which means as soon as we if we enable some kind of a web feature that anybody can use mm-hmm. then that means our server costs are going to be a hundred times what they should be yeah. in terms of paying to non-paying right? even if they're fairly low that's that's they could be one percent of that yeah exactly you know uh, those things we as i calculated out sort of some estimates for what our cost might look like for level head and uh but if we just multiplied that, because like it was actually quite reasonable, even if with pretty good numbers and stuff. But if we multiplied that by a hundred, that's a fuckload. It's all of a sudden really expensive, right? Yeah. At, at base, it's like, oh, that's completely affordable, not even a problem. But 
You take anything times 100 and that could start to become a problem. Yeah, right, right. right. And so this is actually, this is actually our biggest concern then going forward is, is trying to make sure that we develop systems not to keep people, I mean, we do need to try to keep people from cheating, mm-hmm. but the fact that because people view digital goods as just this free thing that they should just get to have, mm-hmm. uh, then now all of a sudden we might put ourselves accidentally into a position where we cripple ourselves financially because we haven't put in safeguards to keep people from ramping up our server costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of considerations that go into yep. these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Really, I think the best model for it, which would never happen, I'm not even proposing we ever even try to do, but I think the most sort of reasonable financial model for, for this kind of a business would be more the, the Patreon style. Yeah. Right? Where a bunch of people, because that's really what's like, like when you when you buy something from us or from some other developer, what you're doing is you're saying, I like what you do and I want you to make more of that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want to pay you for the time it took to make, to make this one. Yeah. Right? Honestly, if I could convert, say, something like my uh, my WoW subscription into just a Blizzard subscription. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you just like, you just give them money every month and then you just know that's going into making content for yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I would, because then I would, I could, I'd have, you know, StarCraft, Diablo, yep. Overwatch, yep. blah, blah, blah. And it's just, I know they make quality stuff and they patch it and they update it and they yep. keep it, they keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would, I would totally do that. Yeah. And it would make developers less dependent on just the, the whims of trying to introduce stuff into a market and hoping for the best. And, you know, I mean, I think that would be, and also, and then it removes the idea that like, that I have bought a game. Right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this is the future of rumpus. You yeah, know, maybe. Maybe. maybe we'll need, we'll need to have so many people in there that it won't matter. We'll need 39 million it's people good. in rumpus. Probably we'll yeah. need then, the biggest backend. Yeah. Of any huge, developer. huge backend. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we'll also need, really really huge abs yeah you gotta counterbalance it yeah, yeah. gotta keep uh, that rumpus up <laughs> <laughs> alright well that's all the time we have for this week uh, so we'd like to thank our producer Fat Bard for making us sound good thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord and forums running if you'd like to get more involved in the Scotch community you can head over to our discord server at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hey also if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox. Uh, you can uh, find that over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Don't send us anything living. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate Good rule that. Of thumb. Yep. Yeah, because we can't guarantee that we will get to that package in a timely manner and it will die. It's also uh, very cold outside. It's very cold. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.